Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Monday, October 2nd, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experiences I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. Uh, You can also go to your app store and type in the three words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. If you do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself, It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again, absolutely free. And we hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives when they actively apply these tools in their lives.
And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. If you have any of those to share with us, please do so. Give us a call at 563-999-3581 and press 1 on your phone. Or send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And we hope people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service And that's just a whole heck of a lot easier to do when people let us know how these things are landing for them, how they're enjoying, benefiting from the readings we do, the sharings, etc. Or letting us know how they're able to access and get good results from using the tools. And... um, We would be greatly appreciative if you would let us know that. So we have um, just coming off the weekend. We have uh, plenty of time for comments and questions if people want to let us know how they made it through the weekend, what challenges they might have gone through, what. the ups and downs of life of handling them and handed them and and or if you've had um, an experience with using the tools that was of benefit you can give us a call or you can email us I'm actually in a place where from time to time I actually see the emails come through when they come through during a session or during a show so um Feel free to let us know what's on your mind, how things have been landing for you, what your weekend was like, how we might support you in any way to uh, either resolve some difficulty or get better use of these tools. I have um, I've been doing some work with... Um, listening back to the uh, Pema Children's book, um, Start Where You Are. And um, it's been uh, amazingly uh, refreshing for me to go through that and... um, I think about several people that I know that struggle with depression and I think about sending them this book as a reference because it's a slightly different take on everything we're talking about here. It's about allowing the flow of life, learning to move into allowance and surrender and it's about just a slightly different perspective. A couple of people that I would have thought about that and haven't done it is because I know that they are they were raised Catholic, 
And for some people who've been raised in a in a religious uh, tradition, it it seems like another religion to them to talk about Buddhism. And while I don't believe that's the case, I do understand that there are quite a few people who experience it that way and they don't want anything to do with um, a Buddhist tradition or a meditation tradition because they've been taught that that is a religion and that it's a competing religion. But I can highly recommend the book. There are several Pema Children books that I listen to repeatedly. And this one is Start Where You Are. And um, part of the, uh, uh, the deep value is the idea of the Tong Glen. And Tong Glen is this practice of, instead of running from the pain or the suffering in life. This is um, breathing it in. This is inviting it in more deeply and trusting that as you do that and you reconnect with your true nature, this deep, never-changing love, creativity, that um, anything that's less than that will get transmuted will get changed and that's one of the core teachings of the way of mastery and the course in miracles and that's why there's such a strong um, admonition uh, remembrance continual um, refreshing of the idea that love heals all things and that breathing into your awareness of your true nature and learning to extend that energy in whatever you say and do in any interactions you have with others is the single most healing thing you can do. And essentially that's the practice of Tonglen. That's just being in acceptance of whatever pain and suffering there is in yourself and others and breathing it in, knowing it can't, you know, chips, dent, rust, fade, or break in any way your true nature, and then just allowing yourself to, having breathed in the negative, breathe out your true nature. Extend that loving energy. Extend the energy of creation as it expresses in form through you in this moment. Extend it in every interaction. And um, that's just one of the ways in which this this book by Pema Chodron is in alignment with what we're already doing. So, um, And as, as I say, it's just a slightly different wording and perspective. So as you hear it from a slightly different perspective, you learn something deeper about yourself and about the teaching. So if you've ever had any experience with Pema Children's work or if you've had any recent experience where you've been in the middle of something that was clearly being experienced by you and others as less than loving and then you know 
seen it be transformed, um, that's a wonderful thing to talk about. It's a wonderful thing to try and bring into my experience as often as possible, reminding myself that all of the things that I get upset about in, in the Buddhist thing, they talk about it as everything has this impermanence to it. But to remind myself that all of the thoughts that I have that are negative are false. Like the bottom line observations say, if I have a negative thought about myself or somebody else or a negative emotion active in my mind, I can instantly know three things. Number one, it's a lie or based in a falsehood. Number two, this is not about what's happening in the present moment. This is an old tape playing. And number three, if I sit and spin in thoughts about this, speak or act from it, I'm simply going to make my life situation worse, not better. And so there are these different practices, slogans and practices in the Buddhist tradition that are geared to helping us experience that same thing, that same truth. So here's the Choose Again book by Diedrich Wolzak, and where he left off with the the section titled Remembering Who We Are. And the, and the last paragraph before that is has been highlighted many times in the Kindle edition, so I'll reread that. He says, To begin healing, we must be willing to say, quote, I must be wrong because I'm not happy, close quotes. And with this realization, we've made a real start at reversing cause and effect. The cause is within, and the effect is seen outside. Remembering who we are, Diedrich writes, the capital T, true, capital S, self, is oneness. It is what people call God. It is what people call love. It is all that we are. Ego is the thought that we're always alone the thought that we're not attractive, the thought that we will always be alone. One thought like this after another. The ego is only a thought. It begins with a thought of separation. Therefore, it doesn't exist because in essence there is no such thing as separation. However, if we don't learn that there's no such thing as separation, then the only voice we'll ever hear is the voice of the ego. We will never hear another voice because the voice of the loving, capital S, self does not overrule the ego. It doesn't even argue with it. It just waits. It waits for us to say, quote, the crap my ego feeds me day in and day out doesn't work for me anymore. There must be another way, close quotes. In order to remember who I am, and always have been, 
I use a radical form of forgiveness. But the forgiveness I'm referring to has nothing to do with what anyone may have done to me or what I may have done to anyone else. The forgiveness I practice has to do with transforming my core beliefs about myself and who I am in the world. It's about rethinking and then rectifying the idea that I could be separate from the rest of existence. The idea that I could be hurt. The idea that I could be alone. The idea that I could be vulnerable. The idea that I could be merely a body. And most of all, recognizing and transforming the belief that I could be guilty. Not one of these ideas has any truth in it. In truth, you and I are one with all of creation at all times. In fact, outside of time. We are not separate or alone, and we apply the transformative power, of, and when we apply the transformative power of forgiveness, we forgive ourselves for believing in separation. In other words, we dismantle the thought of separation. We cancel, we shebag, we drop, we transform, we dismantle the thought of separation. We who are in truth is un we and who we are in truth is unchanged and unchangeable. Who we are in capital T truth is eternal and infinite. Diedrich goes on, given that love is the essence of our capital T true being, it follows that loving thoughts come from our true capital S self. Fear-based thoughts come from the ego. Once we recognize this, we are able to monitor our thoughts and intercept the ones that don't deserve. <laughs> That's a true, true. But they don't serve us. They don't deserve us, and they don't serve us. Little by little, we will transform our life experience by training our minds. The six steps to freedom, described in the remaining pages of this book, provide a useful tool for this endeavor. The rewards for using it will go beyond anything you can now imagine. And please be aware that this radical transformation process will at times feel like your entire world is being turned upside down. That is because it is. C.S. Lewis wrote, quote, Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not too surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably, abominably, and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. He's throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. He is building a palace. 
he intends to come and live in it himself. Close quotes from C.S. Lewis. So the summary of this third chapter is point number one. Capital O, oneness, is our true, capital T, true reality. Point number two. An experience of that oneness is helpful in remembering who we are in capital T, truth. Point number three. Our worth is intrinsic. Point number four. We are innocent in capital T, truth. Point number five. Our unhappiness stems from the belief that we are separate. Point number six. We can shift our attention from our ego self to our capital S self by training our mind and in so doing regain happiness, which is our birthright. Point number seven. Capital L, love, is all there is. Chapter 4, the Choose Again Six-Step Process to Emotional Freedom. At the beginning of this chapter, Diedrich quotes The Course in Miracles, quote, Projection makes perception. The world you see is what you gave it, nothing more than that. But though it is no more than that, it is not less. Therefore, to you it is important. It is the witness to your state of mind, the outside picture of an inward condition. As a man thinketh, so does he perceive. Therefore, seek not to change the world, but choose to change your mind about the world. Perception is a result and not a cause, close quotes, Course in Miracles. Diedrich writes, on the following pages we will explore a simple process that I use to find emotional freedom from any conflict or upset that I have in my life. I have introduced this process to thousands of people, and they too have found it an effective way to work with their thoughts and emotions. They transform their daily state of mind from one of turmoil to one of inner peace and happiness. You will find it to be a relationship saver and virtually foolproof conflict resolution tool. If you practice this process just a few times each day, you're bound to change your life in ways you cannot yet imagine. The six-step process is simple, yet radical and transformative. When utilizing it, I focus on an everyday upset, big or small, and I examine that upset in order to uncover a core belief that I have about myself. Knowing how erroneous that belief is, I forgive myself for holding it, and I remind myself that, given the truth of who I really am, that belief could never be true. The small self that my ego has constructed, which is really nothing more than a cluster of beliefs, this is what I'm setting out to transform when I undertake this work. The set of beliefs I've made up goes by the name Diedrich, 
beliefs and their expressions are really what society calls character or personality. You and I are not lazy or attractive, dishonest or argumentative. We just believe we are. And how we behave when those beliefs go unquestioned serves to confirm and reinforce our beliefs about ourselves. By correcting my beliefs using the six-step process, and thereby literally changing my mind, I actually alter, and I alter very deeply, these entrenched patterns of behavior that have been sabotaging my ability to experience an emotionally healthy, harmonious, and happy life. The six-step process begins with any upset and ends with profound healing. Ordinary, everyday upsets become the portals to happiness. For example, if someone cuts me off in traffic, which is a classic upset for many of us, I can apply the six-step process to that upset. After discovering which embedded belief chose my emotional response to that event, I can correct it. Perhaps it's my belief that I'm a victim. If so, I use a six-step process to process that belief. Whichever belief has been triggered, that's what I examine and transform. After I've successfully completed the process, I'll be able to encounter a similar situation without the need to honk the horn, yell colorful language out the window, or make angry gestures at the offending driver. Being cut off in traffic becomes a neutral event that doesn't hold any emotion for me if I've done the work to correct the beliefs that drive, no pun intended, that drive my behavior. So you see how an upset contains a gift. What's the gift? It's a forgiveness opportunity. Diedrich quotes Pema Chodron. She says, quote, Feelings like disappointment, embarrassment, irritation, resentment, anger, jealousy, and fear, instead of being bad news, these are actually very clear moments that teach us where it is we are holding back. They teach us to perk up and learn in when we feel we'd rather collapse and go away or back away. They're like messengers that show us with terrifying clarity exactly where we're stuck. This very moment is the perfect teacher. And lucky for us, it's with us wherever we are this very moment. Diedrich writes, Everything in my life is the result of my thoughts, and my thoughts are unconsciously directed by my beliefs. One teaching from A Course in Miracles that invariably incurs immediate and intense resistance is, quote, it is my thoughts alone that cause me pain, close quotes. The resistance is chosen by a powerful belief. That belief is, I am a victim. At the moment the planet is populated by some 7 billion people, most of them convinced that they are victims. Victims of their parents, victims of their children, victims of their boss, victims of the weather, victims of the economy. You get the idea. 
we are addicted to the feelings of victimization. What the six-step process will teach you, amongst several other crucial insights, is that you are the absolute author of your experience on the planet. Yeah, victims can roll their eyes now and say, quote, I do not choose to lose my father when I was just four years old, close quotes. And that may be true, but it's also true that the meaning you gave it was your choice. I am never upset at a fact. I am upset by my interpretation of that fact. Marcus Aurelius said a long time ago, quote, if you are distressed by anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but to your estimate of it. And this you have the power to revoke at any moment, close quotes. Shakespeare said much the same thing in Hamlet when he said, quote, there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Close quotes. I'm still here, but that was some time for throat clearing and a sip of water. We ended with the quote from Shakespeare. There is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Diedrich writes, how many of us are immediately prepared to accept this truth without the slightest objection? It took me a while, but I discovered fairly early in my process that the problems and challenges I faced became much less daunting once I accepted true responsibility. And I moved out of the realm of victimhood. All aspects of my existence are nothing more than pieces of evidence that support core beliefs. So that means that if I want a different outcome, literally a different reality, I must change my mind. I must change my mind about who I think I am. And here are the steps to do that. Step one in the six-step process. Recognize that I'm upset. Every day we all face numerous incidents that upset us in one way or another. For the purpose of healing my mistaken beliefs, any feeling I experience that is not peaceful is considered to be an upset. In order to begin healing, I have to start paying attention to each and every one of these upsets. The first thing I must do when I get upset is to fully acknowledge that I am upset or in conflict. In so doing, I must fully upset, I must fully own the upset. When I'm not at peace, I am upset. You can't be both at once. And that means there is no such thing as a small upset. In the same sense that you can't be a little bit pregnant. Every upset presents an opportunity for me to find and dismantle one of the barriers that I have to inner peace. Now that's exciting. Now, can I welcome upsets as catalysts for my healing? When I'm upset, I've been given a golden opportunity to feel the healing and allow the feeling to 
to feel the feeling and allow the feeling to guide me back to the source. The upset is triggering a memory of an earlier time when I felt much the same way. That's all there is to it. It's an echo of an event that was over long ago. We'll develop this idea further in the following chapter, but for now, just hold the thought and trust that it's true. All upsets or emotional disturbances serve the same purpose. They're there to prove that my mistaken beliefs about myself are true. So the first step is recognize that I'm upset and that even a little upset is worthy of being dismantled. Step two is the recognition, me, it's about me. Here, Diedrich quotes Anthony DeMello, quote, Why is everyone here so happy except me? A disciple asked. Because they've learned to see goodness and beauty everywhere, said the Master. Why don't I see goodness and beauty everywhere, said the disciple? Because you cannot see outside of what you fail to see inside. Close quotes. Anthony DeMello. Diedrich writes, There's a powerful teaching from A Course in Miracles that says, I am never upset for the reason I think. The step two teaches me that whenever I'm upset or in conflict, it's never about another person or an external situation. It is never about what I think it is about, however much I want to be right whenever I'm upset. Instead, it's just about me. But my old voice will counter that. Well, yeah, right. This time it really is somebody else's fault, not mine. Here's why. And then the why becomes the immediate justification for the upset. If I run with the justification, I miss the gift. What's the gift? Healing the belief that chose that upset. With step two, all of that finger-pointing must go. It's much easier to adopt the role of victim than it is to take complete and total responsibility for my experience in life. When I accept that I'm the author of my own life and the author of each and every circumstance in my life, I have to let go of blame. I have to let go of all blame. Blaming others and or blaming myself only serves to strengthen a negative belief that I have about myself. I have to let go of the story. In the story, I'm right. In the story, I have every reason to be upset, even worse. And I'm justified in being traumatized for life and damaged beyond repair. That means I have become my story. And to that degree, my upsets are justified. This is why I say to people, my definition, my new definition for being stuck is anytime I have a negative thought about myself or somebody else or a negative emotion active in my life. My new definition for being hopelessly stuck is that I'm arguing for my negative thought or emotion. Here Diedrich quotes Thich Nhat Hanh, who said, quote, when you plant lettuce, 
if it does not grow well, you don't blame the lettuce. You look for reasons it's not doing well. It may need fertilizer or more water or less sun. You never blame the lettuce. Yet, if we have problems with our friends or family, we blame the other person. But if we know how to take care of them, they will grow well, like the lettuce. Blaming has no positive effect at all, nor does trying to persuade using reason and argument. That is my experience. No blame, no reasoning, no argument. Just understanding. If you understand and you show that you understand, you can love and the situation will change. Thich Nhat Hanh. Diedrich writes, step two is a powerful anti-victim step where healing begins. I must learn to take responsibility for everything in my life, which is essentially an empowering process without assigning any blame. I now know that blaming someone else for the conflict will not get me what I really want. What I really want is to be happy and to be at peace. Step two is the most important and most difficult step of them all. We'll look at this in greater detail in Chapter 6. Step three in the six-step process is I, le- I feel my feelings. Now I ask myself, what am I feeling? It's surprising how hard it sometimes is to know what I'm actually feeling. This is where commitment to honesty is essential. As mentioned earlier, when I started on my own healing path, I had only two distinct feelings, numbness and rage. Numbness was the big one, although I did get perverse pleasure and illusory sense of being powerful from the chronic state of rage. In step three, I had to take time to identify my dominant feeling or my two or three strongest feelings and allow myself to experience them completely by feeling them at a very deep level. I must become familiar with my feelings because I have to be, quote, in the feeling, close quotes, in order to make a genuine change in my life. That is, I have to feel it to heal it. Why? Because it's the feelings that will lead me to a memory or memories of situations in which I felt this way before. That's coming in step four. Those memories allow me to process, access, and those memories allow me to access an understanding of the root cause of the development of each core belief I have. It gives me access to who I think I am. Remember, he says, hiding beneath each feeling is an emotion-charged memory that forms the foundation of an erroneous belief about myself. All this happened at a very early age. So in order to unpack each feeling that I'm currently experiencing, I have to focus on it. I have to make it as big a feeling as I possibly can and really, really feel it. Because, again, if I don't feel it, I can't heal it. Step four, I remember when I first felt this way. Now that I'm, quote, in the feeling, close quotes, I ask myself, is this feeling familiar? 
Have there been other circumstances where I also felt like this? It is impossible that this is the first time I felt this way because emotional reactions are actually just replays of events from a long time ago. This awareness helps me to accept that the feeling I have chosen has nothing to do with the current circumstance or the upset. The circumstance simply triggered, activated a feeling that is chosen by the core belief. Once I realize that my feelings manifest in patterns, I have to become a detective. I'm looking for the source of this feeling, so I ask myself, when did I first feel this way? After a little searching, the feeling will trigger a memory. I'll remember an incident, an old incident, when someone said or did something that made me feel that same way. I have to go back pretty far in my memory to find the first instance of such a particular feeling. And yet with willingness, I will find it. When I do find the memory, I need to ask myself, on a scale of 1 to 10, how strong is the feeling within the memory? A 10 would mean that I'm so upset I can hardly stand it, whereas a 1 would be a minimal upset or a minimal emotion. Step five, I establish my mistaken judgment of myself. So here I am in the middle of my process. I'm clearly upset. I've taken ownership of it, and it's bringing up all my stuff. I'm determined to do my work. So I stay in the feeling and allow the early memory of an upset to play out in my mind like a replay in a sports show. Now my job is to focus on the memory that's arisen and ask myself, who am I in this situation? How did I interpret the situation or circumstance in which this feeling played such a strong role? Also, if there were other people involved in that early circumstance, I might ask myself, how do I think that other person judged me when he spoke to me that way? And most importantly, what was the judgment of myself in that defining moment? What did it say about me that that person acted or spoke in that way? What kind of person deserves to be treated this way? What kind of person deserves to feel this way? As I ask these questions, I unravel what I came to believe and downloaded about myself at this earlier time. Diedrich writes, to give an example from my life, my father was a drinker and his behavior could be very unpredictable. On occasion, as I was growing up, he would be very angry at me for no discernible reason. This happened frequently. As I reached back in my mind to examine the very first memory of this kind, I found that I had blamed myself for his anger. I judged myself as guilty. There must have been something wrong with me to provoke such an unexpected response from him. Ever after that, when someone was angry with me for no apparent reason, my default program would be to blame myself. In years of working with people, it has become so clear that having a parent with a substance abuse issue leaves one constantly on edge, constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. As you can see, this interpretation of a childhood event 
led me to establish a mistaken belief about myself, one that I carried with me as part of my core identity for a good part of my life. Step six is the way to undo that and any other negative belief. Step six, I embrace the truth about me. In this final step, you correct the negative self-judgment that you identified in step five with a two-part forgiveness process. First, you shift your perceptions about that childhood circumstance and what you mistakenly thought it said about you. The belief you formed about who you were at that point was wrong, and it never served you. The second part of the forgiveness is to remember that who you are in truth, capital T, truth, love itself, capital L, love itself, that is unchanged and unchangeable. So let's go back to the example of my father drinking and how I misused that fact to judge myself as guilty. Now is the time to undo that belief. So I say to myself, quote, Forgive me for believing that I am guilty. Thank God that is not true. I just made it up. It's just an erroneous belief that I can now let go of. And then I go on to ask myself for forgiveness for every belief I made up at that time. Weak, powerless, unworthy, unimportant, shameful, undeserving of love, not good enough, didn't belong, a victim, etc. In my experience, most of us have one or more of these limiting beliefs. I may have to do this forgiveness process more than once. Old beliefs are sometimes hard to shake. After all, I'm now changing my entire identity. I'm setting out to change the idea of myself that I have lived with for many years. The second part of this forgiveness process is to confirm the capital T truth of me. This time I forgive myself for forgetting the truth of who I am. I might say, for example, quote, forgive me for forgetting that who I am is unchangeably innocent. Or, quote, Forgive me for forgetting that my worth is intrinsic and is not established by what I do or think, close quotes. Or, quote, forgive me for forgetting that I am an integral part and of the unchangeable oneness of love, close quotes. And my response to myself is, thank God that this is the truth, close quotes. It's important for me to correct each belief I uncovered in the upset. So if I believe that I was powerless, I will now remember that I am the author of my own experience and that my power and the power of capital L love is infinite. Where am I at now? Now it's time to check with the level of my feelings. So I go back to the memory that conjured up this in step four, and how do I feel now? Chances are I have much less of an emotional reaction to the circumstances in my memory. My goal is to be at peace. If I am not fully at peace, I need to repeat the process and look at other negative beliefs until the upset is completely neutralized. 
Rarely it happens that the upset has not been reduced in anxiety, does not feel better, or perhaps even worse. In this case, it's likely that there is an earlier or different origin for the upset, which can be found by repeating all the steps. Forgiveness is what I use in this process. However, it's important to note, I'm not forgiving my father for drinking or my teachers for getting angry and yelling at me. I want to be very clear. This kind of forgiveness is not about condoning anyone's unacceptable behavior. Rather, I am forgiving or dismantling from myself the beliefs I made up as a result of the early circumstances in question. I'm forgiving or dismantling my belief that I am what I never could be, that I am worthless or unlovable or powerless or guilty. This process sets me free. When I practice it frequently, it radically changes all my relationships. That is because all of my relationships are with myself, lower S self. And now I'm transforming that little less self to connect with my big S eternal universal self. So here's the summary. Challenge yourself to remember each step of the choose again six-step process using the I'm free mnemonic. Teach the process to a friend. That's the best way to secure the knowledge. Here's the mnemonic, a shorthand of the six-step process. Step number one, I'm upset. Step number two, me. It's about me. Step number three, focus on the feelings. Step number four, remember my ancient feelings. Step number five, establish my judgment of myself. Step number six, embrace the truth about me. Note that the first letters of the steps spells out, I'm free. I'm upset. Me, it's about me. Focus on the feelings. Remember my ancient feelings. Establish my judgment of myself. Embrace the truth about me. So, that seems to me like a good place to slow down and stop. We've gone through the six-step process. Somebody recently told me that Diedrich has changed his website so that that one-page printout of something like that is no longer available on the website. But it is available through the book, and it used to be available as a PDF on the website, but you can probably find it if you search for it. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. What's on your mind? How can we support you today? What, if anything, do you see is different from the reality management worksheet or the parallels, which can only help us to uh, cite those parallels and... Rehearse them, right? So if there is a way in which the essence of this work as it comes out of 
the Course in Miracles. Parallels the work of the Dr. Michael Rice Reality Management Worksheet. When we can see those parallels, we're seeing it from a slightly different perspective. And I want to help people understand that the deeper I understand, the deeper I get into a process with repetition and with slightly different perspectives, the deeper I understand it and the quicker I go to the deeper understanding. One of the things that would get someone like Dr. Michael Rice um, to say this isn't the same process is Diedrich uses the word forgiveness to say I'm forgiving myself for this or that. And the more I look at it, the more I say, okay, it's basically just a slightly different use of the word. But what he's talking about is removing, dismantling, seeing the false nature of a belief I've been holding about myself. And in that way, it is very much in line with what we do in the Reality Management Worksheet. And it's very much in line with what is promoted as the forgiveness process in The Course in Miracles, where it says, open a curtain in your practice, put away everything you think you want, your trifling treasures put aside, and leave a clean and open space for the Christ mind to come, for something new to come into you, into your awareness. And in The Way of Mastery, it says, the process of forgiveness is removing one's false judgments. It does say forgiving my, my perceptions of somebody else, but it, it, it basically means removing my false perceptions, seeing every perception that I create as false understanding that when I have a negative thought or a negative emotion, it's false. And it's an old tape playing, which, of course, is very much in line with what Diedrich is saying here. This is an old-time emotion. I've had it for a lot of years. It came up years ago, and when it came up, it was so intense that rather than deal with it directly or being able to see the truth of my life, I came to a negative belief about myself, and I downloaded it. Now, all these years later, whenever I interpret a neutral life event in the same way, that resonance activates that old memory and that old belief, and that belief, in Diedrich's work, chooses the emotion I experience in the moment. And rather than get upset about that, once I learn a process like this, I can use it to start the healing process. I need to feel it fully to heal it. So this is where part of that, part of the banter that comes along in the forgiveness pattern that I, I make available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website on the educational materials page 
this is where part of that comes into the play to say it's safe and healing for me to allow this, to allow myself to feel this fully, to breathe deeply and let it wash over me. It's all old stuff. It can't hurt me any more than it already has. It's absolutely safe for me to soften and breathe and feel it fully. Well, like Diedrich says in this work, in order to heal it, you have to feel it. It's a very strong part of this six-step process is the recognition that I need to be willing to let myself feel what has been so uncomfortable at some point in the past that I've decided it's too much for me, I can't deal with it, and I need to shut it out of my life. It was never anything that could ever have hurt me at the essence level of who I am, at the cause level. And my being able to be aware of that, to allow it, is is critical to healing it. If I can't let myself allow myself to feel it, I can't heal it. So, that's pretty much all the time we have for today for the first hour. I see that Jeannie Rice just popped up on the switchboard, so I will take a moment or two to remind us that there is going to be a support group tomorrow night. We do support groups on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. We'd be happy to have you join us or have you pass the information along to somebody you think might benefit from that. All that information is available on whyagain.org. It's also available on mindshiftersacademy.org where there's a separate info page for each of the Tuesday and Thursday logins for the Zoom meeting. And I'll remind us all that we come from love and we're made of the stuff that we call love and we actually are love and everything else is false. And I'll welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Appreciate it. And you're entirely welcome and deserving. I realize that you just came on right here at the end, so I will make it um, clear for you the notes that today's reading from the book Choose Again actually went through the six-step process. So the how-to oh, okay. is contained in in today's show. Awesome. As a... As a, a um, as a way for people to review it and see how it compares with the reality management worksheet and lines up so well. So I have a wonderful show. Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio, and today is Monday, October the 2nd. Oh, my goodness, another month, and it's 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And while we're waiting on Michael to dial in, I'll just say you can go to the website, and we now have um, the video uh, link for last Thursday when they did the book club, and they went through 28 and they went through doing a worksheet with a, a young lady 
And so that is available on the website now. And also, excuse me, if you go to the Spanish page, I'm clicking as I go so that I make sure I tell you right. You can scroll down on the Spanish page. The first part is like uh, several things that have been translated, most of them by Nene. Six Aramaic keys for living and uh, the Aramaic forgiveness process and different things. But then if you scroll on down, there's also the forgiveness worksheets in Spanish. And then below that is the meditation by Nene. And there are several links where she did different meditations like for sleep and restore your system or time management, uh, healing crisis, different things. And then scroll a little bit further and there's the summary of Saturday, uh, September the 30th. And there is the Spanish explanation of what they did as well as the English uh, translation of what they did. And then at the bottom of it is the link to go to the YouTube channel if you missed it. So several people were interested in uh, tapping into uh, her meditations and even if they were in Spanish. And so that is now out there for you to check out and participate in. And we thank Nene for making that available and for doing the work. So if you have a question or a comment or you want to direct the way that the show goes, you press one and that puts a little hand up and I know you want to talk instead of that you're just out there listening and we would love to hear from you. Michael and I have been out in the garden this morning where we have a new section of the pollinator garden, which is the flowers and and all, and and so we have planted a total of over 100 bulbs, but we planted about 45 this morning and then we harvested basil and have it in a bucket, picked the leaves off, and it's ready to make pesto. Probably won't do that today. we get aria today and tomorrow, but we've got it in the cool room, so it will be okay until we get around to making pesto. And so we're getting the land in the, in the vegetable garden areas. We've harvested most of the things. Uh, that we can for right now. There's still a few tomatoes and squash coming on, but we've harvested all of the bee balm and the lemon balm and as many of the tomatoes as we can and getting the ground prepared for the winter. And so we're excited going into another stage of it. And so at this time, I will welcome Michael. Well, thank you to your heart and welcome everybody. Delighted that you're here. And excited to move forward on the next level. For those who heard Dan talking on the show the other day, I got a note from him yesterday afternoon. And, you know, we we had announced that he had sent us a picture of a stack of 700 completed worksheets. And I got a note from him yesterday, I believe it was, it might have been the day before, that he's completed 800 now. So that's pretty good, 100 worksheets in a week. He's rocking. Things are moving and changing. So... Put your pen to the paper. It makes a difference. And beyond that, let's see. I actually was working on and preparing a a piece to present on being versus non-being. And, uh, oh, I spent about two and a half or three hours on it yesterday, and it crashed and disappeared. So we're not going to do that today. We're just going to open the space and see what everybody's got to say. Our call-in number, if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you, is 563-999-3581. 
If you call that number, you're listening directly to the show. And then if you push one, through the magic of technology, we'll raise a hand in the control panel. We really do appreciate Blog Talk Radio that for a really reasonable cost on a monthly basis, we get to use this awesome technology where, well, here I am in one room calling in on my phone. Jeannie's in another room on a computer running the control panel. You're in, I don't know, Timbuktu or wherever you are, Sweden, Australia, anywhere in the United States, well, anywhere in the world, really, there's an Internet connection. And, and then, you know, when it's all over, just within minutes, you, I don't know exactly what the time frame is that they're ready, but you can go in and you can create a link to the show so you can send it to anybody to listen to. You can download it, listen to it as many times as you need to, you know, those shows that where it really clicks for you or you know they put you into an altered state and you know you have to come back and keep visiting it. If it, and if, if you do listen to a show that kind of shift you into an altered state. I know that years ago, and I'm talking now 40 years ago, when I started working with A Course in Miracles, there were two particular paragraphs in the course that every time I read them, I would go into a totally altered state of mind. I mean, I'd be in my regular, you know, I'm doing my thing, you know, whatever I've got to do today. And I'd just start to read those two paragraphs, and my mind would shift into just a totally and completely different space. And that was something that for me, and I would, I went back and revisited that and revisited that, and every time I did it for a time period, and, you know, at this point, I don't recall what the time period was. It might have been two months. It might have been two years. I really don't know. But every time I went back, I went into that completely altered state, and I knew that massive, massive quantities of energy were moving inside of me, and of course, that's the objective of this work, is to move massive quantities of energy that does not belong, move it out of the system, and replace it with active, present love. So if there is a particular show that you listen to, and it it does that for you, you know, it's like there are sensitive periods where we can open new spaces and learn things in an instant that otherwise might take years. Actually, it's uh, one of the principles behind Montessori education. You know, if you have a chance to decide where a child's going to go to school, really look seriously at Montessori. And what Maria Montessori discovered was that, of course, every child is individual and every child learns at a different pace. You know, most school systems, well, by the time you're in grade two, you have to know this, and grade three, you're supposed to know that, and grade five, you're supposed to know this. And But what Maria Montessori discovered was that there were sensitive periods for a child. And the job of the teacher, more than to teach, was to watch the child, observe their sensitive periods, and then put them in an environment for what they needed to learn, what they were sensitive to learning. So if a child indicated that they were ready for, let's say, multiplication, then they'd have an environment, they'd have a special area of the classroom that was you know, set up for learning multiplication. If a child indicated that they were ready to go to another level in the use of the English language or writing or, or history or any topic, the job of the teacher was to guide the child to that environment and then support them in the learning. And what was discovered that was that if you try to force a child to learn something, 
it might take them years or they might never learn it. They might just say, oh, well, I'm bad at that subject. You know, you got one of those when you were in school. Oh, I never did well at that. But, boy, I excelled in this. Well, the reason you excelled is because you were in the sensitive period for learning it, and bingo, it falls in place. And so I just review that to, to invite you if there's something that we're talking about and, you know, oh, gee, I don't quite get it, but something's moving in me. That's a show you want to listen to over and over until you finish with that listening. And I know one day with my uh, learning on, on those two paragraphs in The Course in Miracles, I picked them up one day and, and they, were, they were just words on a page. They did nothing to my mind. It was just reading, you know, some information. So energetically, you know, when we realize we're energetic beings, honor those places in you when you find them, and when you find environments that support you in that type of learning, go for it. It's really important, important stuff. So, And so we're here delighted to be part of your process, part of your world, and appreciate the fact that you're here. And, and when you pass the information on to someone, we appreciate that as well. And so, Ms. Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue, anybody with a hand up, or any questions from the app today? Uh, no, no, and no. <laughs> However, oh, okay. uh, since you mentioned the app, um, I got a notice this morning, and Google is requiring us to update our app to meet the, and I think right now it's Android Platform 11, and that we have to update it not just to 12, but to 13. And, oh, really? And Apple, yeah, and Apple so far hasn't said anything. So that means, um, you know, and, uh, I don't know how much. I told the gentleman in India to give me a quote for what it's going to cost to uh, upgrade it to meet Google's requirements. So anyway, so that'll be another expense that we weren't anticipating. We want to support well, us I with hope... the app. Go ahead. That's all. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I, I hope that the app will continue to work until we do get it updated. Is that is that a problem with Google, or I mean, do they give us a uh, time period? It or? will work. It's just that people that buy new phones, it might not work on their new phone because all the new phones are coming out with the updated um, platform or whatever. And Technology. What's a new change? Yeah, we can't make any new changes and submit them without it being um, compatible with the new phones, too. The latest platform, you yeah. know. Right. Well, that makes sense. Cool. Well, and I'll, I'll reinforce what Jeannie said. If, uh, if you're benefiting from the work, if you're benefiting from the app and you'd like to support us with it, that would be awesome. There is a donate button on whyagain.org. You know, basically we do everything we can possibly do free, you know, including this radio show where we actually pay to do it. We don't get paid. We don't have sponsors, you know, so we don't have advertisers and all of that. We just uh, go ahead and pay the bill with uh, with Blog Talk, and, and it's very reasonable. But uh, uh, we really appreciate the service they've given us for the last 12 years. And, uh, you know, there have been a couple of glitches here and there where the service didn't work for a day or two or what have you. But overall, it's been phenomenal. It's been just, and the fact that we have archives now of over 4,500 hours that you come back and listen to. 
And by the way, if you do listen to a show that doesn't have a set of notes on it, you know, Janie usually keeps notes, but there are some shows that don't have any notes. If you happen to listen to one of those, it would be appreciated if you just, you know, even as sketchy or as detailed as you want to do it, I listened to this particular date, and here's the topics you covered, and blah, 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 and, you know, some of the high points of it would be really nice if you'd submit that with uh, in an email to Jeannie, J-E-A-N-I-E, Jeannie at Y again, W-H-Y again dot org. And then we'll put those notes on the uh, the uh, system so that they're, the topics it's, can be searched for topically. So that'd be nice support if you'd care to do that. Other than that, of course, you know, for those who might be new to the show, Jeannie and I, traveled well we've been together 20 years but for that 20 years and the 20 years before that i was on the road basically six to ten months of the year doing workshops anywhere on the globe we were invited and uh, we paid our own expenses our workshops were free at the end of each workshop we just let people know the reason three is we're committed to giving it away whether you've got money or not it's irrelevant here please take it use it pass it on and while we do it free we haven't figured out how to do any of it for nothing at all costs and I don't know how many thousands of dollars there are invested in the app already, but it's significant. And so if you want to support that, jump on whyagain.org, click the donate button, and you know you can do a one-time donation, you can do a monthly, whatever fits, whatever works. We uh, stopped traveling about five years ago when Jeannie's dad became ill and his uh, her brothers were thinking about putting him in a nursing home, and he was terrified of that. So we decided to stop traveling and stay here, take care of him. And about the same time, our granddaughter showed up, and so she is absolutely the light of our lives. We had a, a, a fabulous visit with her on Saturday, a little town near here where her other grandparents live, where had a, uh, a festival, a street festival going on in Aria at 5, with her mother's consult, decided that she was going to have a uh, lemonade stand. And she was definitely the hottest ticket on the whole trip. As she stood out there just, I mean, at first she was very quiet about it. It was like, go for it, are you? And she'd be out there, lemonade, fresh lemonade. And, uh, she sold $100 worth of lemonade, which I think is pretty good for a, uh, a child who's been circling here for five years, her first entrepreneurial adventure, and uh, in, in less than a day made $100. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And, of course, she really wasn't selling lemonade. She was being a presence that was just so sweet and attractive. That people would look, and, and you knew they didn't really want lemonade, but they couldn't help themselves reach into their pockets and dig out a dollar and buy a glass of lemonade. And she poured it, and she collected the money, and she, she handled it all. It was pretty pretty sweet, pretty cool to watch. And so, what are we going to talk about, Jeannie? What's on your mind today? Um, well, <laughs> I've got a slight healing crisis going on, and I haven't um, quite put my finger on what the trigger was. Perhaps it, it I mean, it's been going on for a couple of weeks, but... Uh, this weekend, we also kind of got a closure. We got Dad's military marker and went out and placed it on his grave. And, of course, we know he's not there, but it was there was a lot of things that were still hanging out. You know, we 
trying to get uh, the guy to come by and engrave his death date on his headstone and just all kinds of things. So we were out at the farm and uh, got a lot of completed, I feel like, anyway. And uh, so I don't know. I don't really have anything to talk about. Uh, the other, only other thing is if you weren't part of the show last week, we did cover, and I've got it in two places, we covered uh, punishment avoidance and made a list and put them on the website, and also pseudo-solutions of the non-being mind, that's on the website. You can find those either under forgiveness tools or you can click the start here button and click on the special shows, and they're both out there. And uh, so there's several changes going on on the website for the last week. So if you, you know, happen to run across something that a URL isn't working, use that email address Michael gave you, genie at whyagain.org, and drop me a line and let me know what link needs to be fixed. Uh, I do appreciate when you let me know. I can't keep up with all of the links sometimes. I know I got... Uh, we have a page out on the website that's uh, multimedia and it's stories and, and quotes and poems and links to other sites. And a couple of other sites, their links went bad. I don't know, you know, they've got a problem on their website too, but the uh, links to one of the things that was under uh, uh, grief that we had listed about what's holding the space. So I went out and put a couple new links out there, and so hopefully that other site will get theirs going again. But uh, we did have a hand just go up, and I believe it's Miss Susan610. You're on the air. Hi. I had, I'm coming Welcome. and going because of a lot. Hey, hi. Um, Jeannie, I missed what you said about a healing crisis, and you don't have to repeat it except... I hope you feel okay. Is it a physical healing crisis sort of thing, or is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, I've I've been having, I actually, probably six weeks ago, or maybe even more than that, I don't know, fell on the front hill of the house. It was like a really, really steep, and I was out there doing some things, and I fell. And I have been going to the chiropractor, but I've had, like, some pain in my shoulder and pain in my hip. And I think that, you know, for the last two days, my hip hasn't bothered me, but it's showing up in some other areas. And so I think it's just the energy trying to move out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, sweetie, that you've hit, I think your trigger was a new level of vitality. I think probably closer with Dad with some of it, but I think you just kind of, you've been moving in the right direction. The energy with Ari has just been awesome. I mean, so sweet in the house when she's here. It's been a whole upgrade in the presence of love. So I think maybe a new level of vitality. And, of course, one of the things to make sure is to keep hydrating, keep water flowing, you know, coffee, tea, those sorts of things. Don't hydrate. I'm saying this for everybody. If you get into a healing crisis, they're not things that keep us hydrated. It takes water to do that, pure, clean water. So keep the energy moving. Keep it flushing. Mm. And how are you doing, Miss Susan? Well, What's exciting in your world? I'm doing well. Uh, a lot, a lot is going on. But I, do, I want to ask you. You mentioned that 
the Android is asking for a system update, and you have to initiate that with the person in India and all that stuff. I'm being my busybody, want-to-make-money-for-you person when I say maybe there's a little window as this happens that you can charge for that wonderful app. It's great that you have a donate button on your website and even a mention of the fact, or some you've been mentioning it, that you you don't charge for the forgiveness app. Um, but people may find and use the app without even knowing about your website, although it's mentioned on there big time. I just, I don't know whether they're, the system upgrade includes a capacity to uh, the ability to charge. But anyway, it's just me fussing about the fact that you give so much away. I'd like to see you make some big bucks on that. We ought to do a, a, a nine-day novena, <laughs> a, a visualization of something about coming in, that coming into focus. Which leads me to another question. I happened to stumble on a little video about Nikola Tesla. And although he's long gone from the body, he has a following or a group or a website. I don't know what it is. But they said that he had this very interesting practice based on the numbers 3, 6, and 9. And everything that he did, he, for instance, if he wanted to live somewhere, he might choose a number that was divisible by three. He And he used it in a way, you know, you think of the Trinity, you think of the Catholics doing nine-day prayer cycles for whatever they want, which is a kind of way to manifest or get answers to prayers. But he suggested you choose, create, Three intentions and put it your your responsible language comes in here very much it has to be in positive language and as if it has already happened because it has if you if you can imagine it it's there you only have to just open the way for it to come into obvious fruition on this planet and he talks about doing it for yourself, like visualizing making $10,000 a week or something like that. I have asked in the comments section of this particular video whether I could do it for somebody else because I've got three grand boys that I've kept in my prayers regularly, but I wanted to be as systematic as they suggest, really write down what has already happened and I could read you, I, as an example, I could read you, and maybe I need correcting of the language. Um, for instance, here's one of the intentions, and you spend at least nine seconds doing it. Well, there's no way I'm going to watch my watch while I'm praying this. You do it six times a day for nine days. I know it sounds very sort of cerebral, and I'll come to my question about this in a minute. Here's an example. Thank you for Charlie's delight in, in being at school among many friends, his success in his classes, and his peaceful, loving relationship with his father. Also, thank you for finding him a loving girlfriend who gets him. 
thank you that he is now free from OCD or any kind of any kind with any person. Now, maybe that needs a little tweaking from you, Michael, but that's the idea. And you do, I did one for my grandson, Jacob, and one for my daughter's youngest boy, Max. So have you ever heard of this? I'm quite familiar with Nikola Tesla. He was an absolute genius. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the, sadly, the government did not want to claim him because I think he was too ahead of his time. And they took all yeah. of his materials and sent them back to, I believe it was Hungary. He was Hungarian and kind of disowned mm-hmm. him. But his, uh, I mean, he's responsible for the electric transmission of power across the country. I mean, so many things mm-hmm. that he did. But I have not right. heard of the system that he was into of 369. And as far as your uh, your intention for your grandson, notice the focus there is on the problem as though it's already happened even though the word not is in front of it, remember? And my take would be that any any system that one would use to lock their mind into a frequency is going to tend to solidify, strengthen that frequency, and that's what's going to tend to come into expression. So a system that complicated would definitely bring the mind, if, you know, if someone does that system, it's a ritual, mm-hmm. and rituals produce yeah. results. However, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I hear you saying everything in the constructive end except where his diagnosis is with OCD. And so my my only suggestion would be that maybe you shift the language there into, and he's totally and completely perfectly mentally healthy, competent and healthy. Oh, okay. Com- competent, nice. confident, and healthy mentally. All right. Because that... Great. Confident, I think, would be another piece where he's expressed the the uh, fear he has about not being successful in the world. So, confident, competent, and healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, great. financially. You could put it all in there. Okay, good. Well, great. <clears throat> Can I read you the other two then for tweaks? Please, let's go for it. Sure, that's what we're here for. This is this is for all great. of us. Okay. I'll do Jacob next. Thank you for Jacob's increasing mental health and joy, his courage, his success at getting a job he loves that supports him, his making friends and finding love, and his work as an actor. Sounds good to me. I'd go hang out with that kid. Okay, and then... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then with Max, thank you for Max's success at school, his love of music, his delight in many friends, and his freedom from anxiety. Now, there might be a glitchy thing. I should say mental health or something, not even mention anxiety. Right. I'd do the same with, you know, what kind of mental capacities would you want to support him in? You know, competent, capable, healthy mentally, physically, emotionally. Peace. Yeah. Okay, almost done. Thank you also in the Aramaic, for freedom. In the, in the Aramaic, yeah. where we're told that Yeshua said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, actually the word was serenity. Oh, love it. Serenity is a whole lot more powerful. Peace is actually a word that was made up as a, an opposition to war. 
And serenity is really, I think, the state we want to achieve. Great. Okay, this one might be glitchy. Thank you also for his freedom from his sense of responsibility for his father. Thank you for a girlfriend for him. I might, again, the focus of the thought is responsibility. And when you understand regulatory speech, whatever your speech is, is going to tend to be the energy that manifests. So that would, I, I would my take would be that would tend to uh, continue his responsibility in that regard. So perhaps oh, something yeah. like his total confidence in his father's ability to handle his own life and, and be responsible for oh, himself. Great. Great. Confidence in father to handle. Uh, yeah, he is, his father wants him to fly down to Colombia where he now lives for Christmas. He wants Jacob to fly down too, and they're going to both do that. Uh, so, what? Should be an exciting adventure. It should. Both boys are a little nervous about it, but anyway, because um, they're not sure who they're going to find when they get there. He's a guy who's just a sweetheart, except when he isn't, <laughs> if you see what I mean. Anyway, so. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I wasn't even going to ask you about that, but I've started, I'm in day four, and I, I'm such a pseudo-solution worshiper. If I if I change it midstream, does it ruin it? <laughs> of course it doesn't. You know, none of this intention will ruin it. But whatever whatever way you choose up. to create it. Mm-hmm. You could create ruination if you chose. I mean, that's totally up to you, and... You know, it might be a good time to just go ahead. If there's some question in your mind that this interruption or shift might ruin it, start over with the nine days. Clean, yeah. clear, rock and roll. And and you might share it, you know, check your guidance out. It might be worth sharing with the boys and saying, you know, this is what I'm holding for you. And you know, join me in it mentally. There's a power in our minds when we join. And, and let's wow. strengthen cool. this in ourselves and each other. Oh, good. Yeah. What a okay. gift. Nice idea. Good. You know, when Aria... I'm just decided... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> this is a little tug, well, of, tug of war on the radio show. <laughs> Aria, you know, at one time when her mother was feeling ill, she put hands on her, she took care of her, got her water to drink and encouraged her to hydrate. She's really into hydration. But uh, when her mother asked her about, uh, you know, are you going to be a doctor? And she said, I want to heal people with my love. That was her focus. Oh, God. And uh, the other day, you know, I was sharing about her uh, lemonade stand and how excited she was about it. And, of course, it's one of the ways that we can hook, get hooked into things. It'd be, wow, you know, at five, she made $100. How cool is that? But what I acknowledged her for instead of making $100 was how she was able to share her love with these people through serving them uh, lemonade. 
and Whoa. you know that she gets that that that's what it's about that it's about extending her being that her purpose is mm. to live as this human being this presence of love and and what a great way to share your love with them oh wonderful boy that's a lucky little kid oh and we are lucky grandparents let me tell you we are so Mm. blessed by her it's just and and as i say lately there's been just a whole new level of that energy of excitement and presence of love when she comes to to visit you know two three days a week creative Mm -hmm. expression and it's just awesome oh she's gotta love it we do so another question. You said Go for it. hydrating with with tea is not effective. <clears throat> I just right. learned learned about how good it is to chew or suck on a clove early in the morning because it has all these anti-inflammatories and things and then I read a recipe how you can boil cinnamon uh, sticks and cloves and a little rind of lemon and make yourself tea. And I'm thinking, oh, good. Here's this big jar of of this stuff. And I'm chugging it, and Michael's telling me I'm not hydrating. Can you please modify? Well, well, here's here's the thing. You're giving your body a fluid, but in order for especially the brain to be hydrated, the the at least the thesis is that the brain is hydrated directly from the stomach and that you have to put water in this in order for that hydration to occur. That if you put something that needs some sort of digestive or breakdown process, it doesn't go to the brain and hydrate the way that pure water does. So it doesn't mean... So Michael. I mean, you... You've got something that's anti-inflammatory. I mean, that's wonderful. Just make sure you drink enough water. Besides that, in addition, you know, do your I'm water. Grow up. Do your do, do your water ration. No, your body will take care of that. Do your water ration. Add some tea, but using tea or coffee or colas or any of that for hydration is not um, not an effective way to hydrate properly. Well, you are mixing some good things in my mind with some bad things. I wouldn't dream of putting cola there and I wouldn't use coffee either. But No, but there are people that's what people different. think. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, in the morning it was recommended that you have a big warm glass of lemon water. Is that water? Or have I been fooling myself all these years doing lemon water and I really should do just water? Fooling my my offering would be my offering would be do just water and then add lemon water. Lemon lemon, a little bit of cayenne, a little bit of uh, maple syrup is an awesome drink for detoxing, for uh getting rid of phlegm, that sort of thing. And make your basic hydration water. I have a, a 50-ounce bottle. It's actually a, a probiotic drink that we found. It comes in a really nice, heavy-duty glass, 50-ounce bottle. Uh, before I touch anything else, I drink at least one bottle of that. Well, what's in it besides water? I thought you were drinking just water. water. That's oh, what I said, water. water. Okay. 
Yeah, I just used okay. this. It was a, a retail, you know, a probiotic drink that we bought, drank it, and then I just used the empty bottle. Uh, and oh, I see. That's my that's my measurement for my first for my water each day before I do anything with food or anything else. Wow. Coffee or or pardon How me. How many ounces? Um, coffee substitute, what have you? Uh, Fifty ounce. Whoa, that's half my ration for the whole day, Michael. There you go. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now you've done. Now you've done intermittent fasting. As well as hydrated yourself. Mhm. Wow. Okay. Interesting stuff. All right. Well, I don't have any and follow things. your guidance. Yeah. Well. Okay. That's a tricky word. That's the highest. <laughs> that's the highest thing you can do is, is train and develop your own intuition, and listen to what you need. Okay. All right. And do worksheets. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much. I've been doing the Diederich six step because Tim Hayes has been reading Diederich's unbelievably wonderful book. And mm, the six cool. steps and the commentary. I don't know whether it's the book or Tim Hayes. I can't tell which. Because I came on so late, I couldn't tell whether he was reading or talking himself. But in any case, it's the most wonderful. Uh, you know, it's it's good to have a different approach, and things pop to mind from the regular wake up sheet that sort of stick themselves in there. The biggest one being, I forego my wish or need to be right which is just, I know it's not, it's universal problem <laughs> to be right, to want to be right. So anyway, that's good stuff. Well, that, that desire to be right, I think, is part of our brainwash for uh, our early, early adoption of membership and becoming a card-carrying member of the One World Universal Religion of Blame. It's been around <laughs> since the beginning, you know. It's like, yeah. So letting go of that is one of the ways to uh, to tear up your membership card in that church. It's interesting. I was listening to uh, uh, one of the top avowed atheists. I was listening to one of their YouTube things the other day, and uh, it was interesting to hear. And this is a you know someone who, if I mention his name, everybody who's acquainted with anything to do with the atheist movement would, would know who he was. And it was interesting to hear that he was a card-carrying member of the One World Religion to Blame. <laughs> Every time the interviewer asked him about, well, you know, sometimes you become very... Well, yeah, but that's only because of what they do to me. <laughs> okay. Oh, brother. It's, it's kind of fun to hear. Okay. <laughs> and then listening to different, uh, different, uh, a couple of different videos that he'd done with different people and and him avowing and you know strongly ridiculing people for um well like the the example was yeah these people in churchianity that believe in mysteries you know mysteries that's just such a silly thing and then in one of his other views he's talking about he he was asked a question so well that's just a mystery (laughs) it's like okay (laughs) oh oh, yeah what fun (laughs) what fun 
So yeah, that's uh, that letting go of the knee. That's why that's uh, that's in every worksheet. To, I let go of my need to be right and make up another reality out of these brain cells. You know, it's easy to blow up a reality out of a pattern. And when you become conscious that that's a, a propensity of the mind, disavowing that I think is really important. So glad to hear Dietrich's got that in his work too. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, like you, he came upon it out of his own life. With him, he had a very hard beginning. You had some challenges, but they became his teachers, and he's created this book and this whole kind of stumbled into being a therapist, never had any training. An amazing story. Very cool. Sweet. Well, anything else on your mind for today? I don't think so. Things pop up. You know how they do, but go ahead and carry on. All right. We appreciate you. Lots of love and blessings. Thanks. You too. Bye. All righty. Bye-bye. All right, Miss Jeannie. Well, it is now, what, we've got about 18 or so minutes left. Does somebody press one? If you're out there in listener land, how can we support you? What's on your mind? Mr. Terry, 336, you are on the air. Good afternoon, Dr. Rice and Dr. Rice. Sir, how are you? Great, great. And I was just listening uh, to the, the lady that was just sharing, and um, that, to me, definitely very tops. Key ingredient is checking that box, letting go of my need to be right. And I love the way that you explained it the first time that you shared the idea about my mind being an evidentiary device. And then right. it takes in the data, and then it only can put back out what it's got in it. So there's a natural resistance, at least this is the way I understood your, your um, lecture, but, you know, I had to build more brain cells around it to really understand the significance and the depth of that. And as that evidentiary device is going to put back out, I think you used the, the uh, example of a computer program, and uh, there's programs at 2 plus 2, and it says 5, and then it's, you know, the computer's not necessarily bad. It's just running on a bad program. So you want to wipe the hard drive, which is what we'll do here, and then reload it. And so another key component that comes up for me is confusion. And um, I really got it at a deep level out in Heartland about the fact that confusion is a good thing. It's like letting go of the need to be right and confusion. Because if I'm letting go of the need to be right and I'm getting conflicting data, I want to hear you share about that. Will you expand on that? Sure, we can do that. That's a, a good topic to touch into. And when you recognize, for those who maybe haven't been tapped into this idea of the human mind being an evidential device, there's some interesting Harvard research that says that in a time frame where 10,000 brain cells are firing. So they've got somebody in a lab. They've got them hooked up to electrodes, and they're measuring 
electrical impulses in the brain. And in a time frame where they can measure 10,000 brain cells firing, the max amount of data that goes into conscious awareness, into our perceptual constructs, is nine bits. And so obviously, if there are 10,000 units of electrical activity happening, and we're only seeing the product of nine bits, we're looking at evidence. The mind is going to give you whatever evidence it has. And the evidence that it always offers is evidence of its own BS, which, of course, is belief system. Nobody had a different reality for those initials, right? So, so the mind always has a reality. And one of the things, if, if uh, the goal is to be right, you know, one of the things, of course, talks about, would you rather be li- right or love? Actually, it says loved as though love is a verb, but it's not. It's a noun. Would you rather function as a human being or would you rather be right? And until we really integrate our human beingness as the presence of love into our physiology, being right is a great option because whenever you're right, you get a hit of dopamine. You know, if your goal, you know, whenever you have a goal and you achieve that goal, you get a hit of dopamine, which is, has been referred to as our happy powder. You know, someone who uses, say, something like cocaine, why do they go into depression afterward? Because the cocaine accelerates or burns up the dopamine. So there's none left. There's no happy powder, so to speak, left. And so people go into depression. And so people become addicted to being right because they're addicted to the dopamine hit. When you cancel that, when you let go of that, you replace that consciously, purposely, with the presence of your human life, which the presence of love in your cellular structure, active love, like the fact of an active, present, live energy called a human life in your cellular structure is a whole lot more rewarding than a hit of dopamine. And so the evidential mind will give us evidence if our goal, for whatever our goal is. It doesn't matter whether the evidence is totally stupid, off-target, irrelevant. If this goal calls for this evidence, then the mind will, you know, that goal being the driver, the mind will utilize that evidence to prove its point, even if it's totally false. And so letting go of that need to be right literally is letting go of an addiction and it makes a space when we when we collapse that energy uh, that need to be right it makes a space for the truth of our human lives to show up in our physiology so that we get to function out of that presence of love now was that where you were heading, Terry, or was there another refinement you were looking for? Oh, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. And um, like, <clears throat> as we practice and all the different methods, like you were offering up the, the worksheets and you know, the old handling, and then listening to each other share these things and uh, bouncing it back and forth, that reinforces it too, and 
I'm so happy that we've got Dan who's really uh, experiencing some mirac- what would be called miraculous things. And uh, as as we talk to each other and support each other, then that builds us all up. And I can say for sure I'm inspired. I'm building my stack up. i got to catch up on my new round so that I can send my picture out like uh, Dan shared with us with his stack there. So hearing right. those words uh, and getting it reinforced and the way that you have uh, spent your entire life cultivating this work and, and expressing it, um, it's just a, a really strong energy. And I, I was sharing to him about how how strong it was that very first time I went to Heartland. Oh, my God. And you picked me up at the airport, and all this stuff started happening all the way there. And while I was there, it was just uh, very, uh, oh, what was the word? There's not really a word that's sufficient enough to describe all the the goodness and and the excitement. It was aliveness. There was so much aliveness. You were in a sensitive period, ready for it, right? Yes, evidently. Were you on at the beginning of the show when I shared that uh, that Dan had sent me a text telling me he's up to 800 now? No, I, would, I didn't get into yeah. just a few minutes of while the, the last of the water dialogue. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Well, he had sent me a, a text just saying 800. It's like, all right. 800. Yep. Yep. And I and earlier in the show I talked about the Montessori uh, understanding of sensitive periods when we're ready for a big energy shift that that's what happens and I suspect that uh, that first visit to Heartland that's what uh, what was going on for you you were ready for things to move to the next level and of course when when truth comes into our minds and our minds are holding on to something false. Energetically, when those two things meet, they mix. I use the example, I'm sure you've heard me use the example before, and, you know, I've always got a whiteboard up there in the front of the room that I work with. So let's imagine that I shine a red light and a blue light and a green light on the board. And, you know, it's really clear. We see red, blue, and green. Now, we know scientifically there's no such thing as red, blue, or green. They're just frequencies of light. And the way the mind interprets them, that's why some people are, colorblind because their brain interprets that frequency different than other people Um, but if I took the red light and the blue light and the green light and shone them all on one space on the whiteboard what would we get we'd get a mix of those energetic frequencies so we wouldn't see red blue or green I, I don't know what red blue and green put together would give us depends on proportions but we'd see a mix of those a muddied or what we'd call a confused picture of those three colors and that's a perfect and, and an exact analogy for the mind when the mind's in one of its lies. You made me, you made me so mad. And someone's standing there talking about responsibility. When those two energies start to mix, the result is just like the muddied picture on the board. It's confusion. And confusion when we're in a healing process is a very high state to thinking we know when we're telling ourselves a lie. <laughs> so it's a, an, an important and necessary step 
of going through the healing process and what in step two in the worksheet we ask people to embrace. I'm willing to go through the physical, mental, emotional symptoms of healing. And what are they on a physical level? It's going to be kind of any kind of old physical symptom we've ever had in low energy. On a mental level, it's any kind of negative thought and confusion. On an emotional level, it's any kind of negative feeling and depression. That's what healing looks like. And so that confusion when we're emptying out trauma-based energies or fraud-based energies, lies of the mind, and they mix with truth, the resultant pictures are somewhat confused. And it's just a principle of physics, the same as with, with the light energy. And once you understand that, it makes it a whole lot easier to just breathe and go through it rather than get stuck in the confusion. Does that make sense, Terry? It made perfectly clear sense to me. And uh, I always get into a little bit of a nostalgia and remembered some of the things that happened that would be uh, explained as uh, mysterious or magical or mystical, you know, and and they were just beyond basic uh, description. But when the information was given to me about the way my mind was operating, it made perfectly sense. I saw Patrick wearing two different sets of clothes in the, within seconds of being in the same room, the same space, and it just changed because the reality changed in my mind. Now, you know, how do I prove that? I can't prove it. Or, you know, I can only share it, what happened to me, but it was so dramatic when that happened that it took my breath away. I hear you. I have one of those stories where I did had someone I had a conflict going on with this goes back about 30 years ago, but it's kind of like one of those guideposts for me. And there was a conflict going on, and I could perfectly explain how it was all that other person's fault, da-da-da. And instead of getting into that, I did a worksheet. And and literally, in, in an instant where that shift took place, I could not even remember how I had even fantasized or justified that it could have possibly been about them. It was so clear that what was going on was mine. And so those are the kinds of, you know, for me, they're like that's the kind of signpost that I can hold on to in the future to go, oh, my mind is in its confusion now, so I know it's lying to me. So now I know I have work to do, and I'm willing to, you know, move to another state. But, Terry, the, and, and maybe you'll share this story. I've shared it a couple of times over the years on the show. One of my favorite stories, you referred to it a few weeks ago when you called in, was about rock mode. Would you like to share that? To me, that was so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we were there, and and the lectures were going on. And everybody was uh, sitting and doing, and then uh, the, the conversation moved over to rock bud. I was like, my mind was in all this like confusion, and I wasn't getting it. And I asked you over and over about rock by trying to get uh, an understanding through my confusion, and then. <laughs> You finally went outside and picked up a rock, and you come back in here holding it in front of me and point, rock, ma. 
Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.